Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Teen Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi guys, how are you? What a week. I hope you listened to my Janelle side characters episode yesterday. I am glad to re-release that. I think I forgot to say in the intro that the main reason I re-release that is because the version that's up on iTunes right now is just a um, like iTunes only version. If you'll remember, this show used to be on Patreon half the episode. And when I say half, I mean like three quarters of the episode were on iTunes and then the full episodes are on Patreon. So I wanted everybody to be able to listen to the full episode for free because I had seen it getting plugged in some other places. Uh, a lot of you seem to like it. Commenting on my Instagram. Follow me at EVP underscore feathers. I hope you all liked it and enjoyed. I had a comment where somebody asked me about jelly. And I just want to quickly, before I get into the 9 million things that are going on this week, because I have some things to explain to you all. Um, Jelly, who I guess I just forgot to put in the side character episode. Jelly is this girl named Jen who used to run all of Janelle's online stuff. And I think she might still. But basically, she was like a Janelle super fan. Her and Janelle met online. And they became like best online friends. And she is the person that was running. Do you remember that Janelle? (laughs) the Janelle Evans PR account for a little while like that would just like post wild things uh Jen was the person that ran that Jelly uh they had like a website for a while that Jen ran uh they never met in person Jen was supposed to go to a Kesha concert with Janelle no Miley Cyrus not Kesha a Miley Cyrus concert with Janelle and then she like Janelle disinvited her last minute so she could take I'm guessing that was David, maybe at the beginning of her and David's relationship, or it was probably Nate, now that I'm thinking about it. But her and Janelle have met her, never met in person, but they're online friends. Jelly was like a big, Jelly was her Twitter handle, that's why people called her Jelly, and she was a big person in like the online scene. Somebody commented on my Instagram about that, and they also had a question about Jamie, and how Jamie came into the picture, and you know, Jamie is Janelle's friend that she films with. Jamie met Janelle through, I believe, I have to double check this, but I don't know how I would double check it. That's one thing that sucks. Like, you just have to have this knowledge in your head. Like, it's very hard to research this stuff. But Jamie was friends, I believe, with Janelle's landlord when her and Nate were together right before they had Kaiser. Then when Kaiser was born, Jamie would babysit Kaiser all all the time. She was, like, essentially Kaiser's nanny at one point. Janelle and Nate used to, like never be with Kaiser and Jamie was essentially raising Kaiser. Jamie has stayed friends with Janelle, is still friends with Janelle as far as I know. Um, And Janelle and David bought a like scuba diving boat cleaning business from Jamie and her husband, but I'm not quite sure if they still own that or what's going on. 
but that is Jamie, and Jamie has been a pretty important figure in Janelle's life for the last couple years. Uh, when J- Janelle and Barbara were going to go to court for Jace, but, you know, they ended up just, like, having mediation, Jamie was going to testify for Barbara. In some reason, Janelle's still friends with her. But, yeah, so that's who Jamie is. That's how they met. That's why they're friends. And that is who Jelly is. Okay. So what a fucking week, guys. Um, I almost thought about doing a special, like, breaking news update. But then I decided I would let stuff play out throughout the week. So as we saw this week, uh, the first episode of Team Mom 2 was about Kaiser and his abuse. So, back when this all happened, if you want to go listen to my episode about it, I definitely did an episode about this, talked all about this, with J- with Doris and Nate keeping Kaiser from Janelle and David. But they had accused Ky- David of hitting Kaiser with switches, and they had said that they had pictures. I'm pretty sure I said on the record, and I still believe this, that I believe that David hit Kaiser with a switch and that they had the pictures. Not sure if I believe that they had the pictures, but... I definitely believed, like, something was going on and that even if Nate and Doris aren't, like, good people, like, that they were probably in the right in this situation. Well, Nate got really mad this week after the episode aired because he was pissed that people were calling him a liar and saying that, like, if he had the pictures, he would post them. So Nate posted the pictures. Now, I will never share these pictures in any capacity. I shared the tweet that Nathan tweeted but I did not share the photos. I think they are disgusting and horrific to share. I have no idea why he chose to share them. I do not support him sharing them at all. But he shared two pictures of uh, Kaiser's bare butt with what appear to be switch marks on his butt. Now, if you're an international person or, I don't know, you just don't know what a switch is, a switch is a way to hit a kid, and it's especially popular in the South And it's basically a very thin stick that you will use to hit somebody with. Like, as opposed to hitting someone with a belt, you hit them with a stick. Um, It's, like, kind of tradition. I don't really like to use that word, but I'm using that in air quotes, that the kid will go pick the switch themselves, and then the parent will hit them with the switch. (sighs) Now, what do I think about Nate posting those pictures? I think it's disgusting. I think that Kaiser is a real child who did not ask, one, to have his abuse be a fucking storyline on this TV show, and two, to have his bare butt and the humiliation that comes with being a victim of abuse because it's humiliating to be a victim of abuse. It just it just is. It shouldn't be, but it is. So for that to be out in the open, just so Nate can be proved right, is so gross. There was no reason for Nate to tweet those pictures except that he was mad that people were saying that he was exaggerating. You know, it had nothing to do with helping Kaiser because this doesn't do anything for Kaiser. It's now been almost a week since these pictures were posted and guess what? Kaiser still is with Janelle and David. You know, like there's no... Kaiser's a real kid. Posting those pictures doesn't do anything to help him. CPS has already seen the pictures and they said that there was no case. The police have already seen the pictures and they said that there was no case. So like, what does Nate gain from posting those pictures except for violating Kaiser's privacy? He did it because he was one, he even says that he's mad in the tweet. Let me read the exact tweet to you. Okay. Nate says, cut the truth. No one, no magazine and no sponsor would publish 
because of guidelines. Bruise question mark or bruises? Water slide, right? My son told me that he got hit with a stick. Recently, David broke his cell phone with a hammer question mark. And then in quotation marks, it says Kaiser said. Now, let's talk about the fact that he tried to sell these pictures to a magazine and he uses the word he says no one, no magazine, and no sponsor wants to publish this. I don't know what the fuck he means by sponsor, but I'm assuming Radar Online was like, yo, we can't post pictures of a bear child's ass that's been hit because, like, our advertisers and sponsors don't want that on our page. And so he's, like, then saying sponsors in the tweet because he's a fucking idiot. He also apparently doesn't know how to use quotation marks. I don't know what he means by the cell phone thing. I mean, Kaiser obviously doesn't have a cell phone. He's four. But I and I don't know. I'm pretty confused about what the cell phone thing means. But Nate wanted to sell those pictures for money. If he's saying no magazine or no sponsor will publish this, that means like he wasn't giving he wasn't giving Radar Online those pictures for free, or he would have just posted them forever ago. To me, it's not a coincidence that he posts these pictures. Six months after the fact, just when the episode happens to air and he's getting pushback from people online, Nate is a monster. <laughs> now, David and Janelle should not have custody of Kaiser. I think that's very clear. I think I've said that on this podcast. Like, I believe that David is an abuser and abuses those kids, especially Kaiser. And I believe that they say that David's disciplining him when really Kaiser is getting abused. And it's very sad. But, like, Nate has nothing to gain here. Oh, and Ashley, Nate's girlfriend, you know how I feel about her. Her whole Twitter is about how, like, Kaiser loves her so much. Kaiser calls her mommy. How Nate's such a great dad. And it's the whole, her whole timeline is just tweeting about this. And she's just loving the attention from it. Here's what, like, my thing is. If Nate gave a fuck about this kid, he wouldn't be living in Florida. There's no reason he needs to live in Florida. He doesn't have a fucking job. He doesn't go to school. He lives there because his girlfriend lives there. If Nate wanted to prove to the courts that he was a viable option for custody, especially full custody, which is what he's asking for, he'd be living in North Carolina or South Carolina. He'd have his own place up there. He'd be working a job. And he'd be showing the courts that, like, he gives a fuck There's no way a court is going to go from supervised visitations, which is what Nate has now, to full custody with him living in Florida. And, like, it's just, that's not possible. Like, if Nate could say, like, I live in South Carolina, where Kaiser was born. I live near my mom, so she can help me. Me and my girlfriend have a home here. We're stable. Like, it's just so crazy to me that he thinks he's going to get full custody and then bring that kid to Florida. Like, that's not how the courts work. I'm also curious why there's been no emergency hearing. Um, if there is cause for concern and there's abuse, you're able to file an emergency custody order, which Doris did in the past, but then she had to like retract. I'm guessing the courts that like her lawyer was like, actually, let's not do this because we're going to lose. But if they are so concerned that Kaiser is being abused, like I don't understand why there's been no emergency custody order and why they are now wait like So Nate filed for full custody shortly after that mediation that we saw in today's episode. That was the end of July, and it's now mid-January, and they haven't been in front of a judge yet. I don't, I don't get why they haven't, why his lawyer hasn't filed for emergency custody order. It doesn't, nothing makes sense in this. Um, 
Nate is posting this, like, don't get it twisted. Like, Nate is posting this for his own validation, for his own pride. He's not doing this to, like, save Kaiser for anything. There are viable steps that he could be taking to save Kaiser, and one of them is moving closer to his son. Guys, he lives a 10-hour drive away from Kaiser. He gets four days a week, or four days a month with Kaiser, because he still has these strict supervised visits. Like, he drives back and forth maybe once a month to see him. Uh... So he probably really realistically only sees Kaiser two days a month. He's playing house with Ashley in Florida. I don't know why Ashley hasn't been like, you need to move your ass back towards your son. If you are so scared that your son is being abused, wouldn't you, even if you could not do anything, even if you couldn't do anything, wouldn't you want to be within a short drive from your child in case he needs you? Not in a 10 to 11 hour drive. Like, it's crazy. He's playing house in Florida. And, of course, Twitter and Facebook is like, oh, my God, Nate, Nate, poor Nate, poor Nate, poor Nate. But it's like, it's not poor Nate. Nate has made his choices. Not only, let's not forget, Nate has a daughter that he also lives 10 hours away from. Like, why do you live 10 hours away from your children so you can play house with your girlfriend? There's no reason for Nate to be living in Florida. He does not have a job there. He lives there because his girlfriend lives there. He lives 10 hours away from two children. I'm sorry, but, like, I understand that sometimes parents have to move away from their kids. Like, they get jobs, situations, like, demand it. I get that. Like, it's not, I'm not saying, like, if you don't live near your kid, you're a bad parent. But if you have literally no reason to live that far away from your child, you're a bad parent. And I do consider Ashley to be no reason. Yes, she owns a job in, yes, she owns a house in Florida and she has a job there, but, like, you're telling, like, sell your house, get a job. And, like, you're dating a man with two children who live in another state. Like, aren't you willing to go be more of a full-time step parent over there? I don't know. I don't like it. So, in response to this, David went on this, like, 5 a.m. Snapchat rant claiming that when Nate was 16, he raped a 10-year-old boy. Okay, I saw that and I thought, oh, Janelle has tweeted about this before. And, you know, everybody on Reddit and on Twitter was like, there's no way this is true because if this was true, they would have talked about it before because they're impulsive and there's no way they wouldn't have brought it up, etc., etc. So I went and found the tweets because they had been talked about. And Janelle, a couple years ago, had tweeted that when she, it was kind of hard to read. And this is the reason that she tweeted. Okay. When Kaiser was very little, David posted, this is so gross. David is a monster, by the way. Like David, David should remove himself from planet earth as far, as far as I'm concerned and do us all the favor of having to deal with him. But by the way, nothing I say this week is in defense of David because he's a literal monster who I'll go on record saying, like, he should kill himself because he is an abusive monster. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) what if, like, one of my sponsors, like, actually listened to this podcast and was like, oh, my God, did she just call for someone to kill themselves? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I did. Anyway, David had posted a picture of Kaiser with his hand in his diaper. Kaiser was, like, one years old. He was very little. So it was like right when David first came into the scene and said something like, like fought, like 
and meaning him as the father, like father, like son, like implying he was playing with himself. It was a very weird, gross pick. Of course, Nate was like, that's disgusting. You shouldn't do it. David's a pedophile for posting that, implying he's a pedophile. So Janelle's response was, you want to talk about pedophile? What about, hold on, let me find the exact tweet so I can read it to you. Okay, what she exactly said was, we can bring up your story as a 14-year-old and a 10-year-old boy if you want to talk about that subject. Nate responded, how freaking low, disrespectful, and humiliating can you be? So it's a little weird to read because the way she says it is, like, very weird and not clear. But what she was saying is, remember what you told me about when you were 14 and the 10-year-old boy? And she said that because, like, Nate was implying Dave was a pedophile, so Janelle hits back. Now, this has never come up again. It was like a flash in the pan. It's been posted on Reddit a few times because people thought she was saying that Nate had been molested. This is so gross and dark. I can't, like, yikes at me even talking about this. But people thought that she was talking about Nate being molested by a 10-year-old when he was 14. But I, like, literally watched these tweets in real time. I know that he was saying, she was saying that Nate was a 14-year-old and that there was a 10-year-old boy. So, when David brings this up again, I'm like... Oh, Janelle has mentioned this before. It was years ago and it hasn't been since and it was like kind of a vague tweet, but like she absolutely has mentioned it before. Then everybody's kind of like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. So then Leo Daniels, who if you've re-listened to my side character episode, was Janelle's manager like way back in the day. Leo Daniels, who is a fucking crazy nut job. Starts tweeting. He very rarely tweets about Janelle now. Like, I mean, I don't really read his Twitter often, but, like, I'm pretty sure he, like, never talks about her anymore. He tweets. Okay, so Leo tweeted, Let me be perfectly clear. Like Janelle or not, she's telling the absolute truth about Nathan. I posted documents a while back on my old account and got suspended for it. She's 100% correct. That's why he had to leave school and move in with family members. Now, do I believe Leo Daniels? Mm, I don't know. Do I believe he posted documents about it? No, because somebody would have screenshotted it. It would have still been around, especially if he got suspended, because that means people were reporting him. It would have been screenshotted. I'm pretty sure I would have seen it. Um, yeah, I I think that's a very weird claim. I also don't think I believe that there was actual... If this happened, that police were involved for there to be documents, I would guess that it was kept private and family, which, by the way, happens quite often, especially if it's between family members or family friends. Um, <laughs> like, there are lots and lots and lots of times that a teenager will abuse a child. And then, I mean, look at Josh Duggar, you know, and somebody will say like, oh, well, he abused his sister, so it's different. No, Josh Duggar also abused two non-family members. The police were involved for, like, one second, and then he was sent away to, like, a camp, uh, like a reprogramming camp. Um, these are, like, really common. Nate is from a pretty Christian family, so I, if this happened, I would not be shocked if it was kept in the family. The police were not involved. Nate was sent away to get fixed. I can also, oh, Leo, somebody replied to Leo, and Leo had also tweeted about this in 2013, saying that Nate was 14 and the boy was 12. So 
we don't see any documents, but he had tweeted that like something happened with Nate and a 12 year old. So what I'm saying is like, do I believe this happened? Well, no, I, I don't want to say that first. What I'm saying is that this is not a new out of the blue claim. I do think that David's only bringing it up because he wants to call Nate gay, by the way. I don't think Nate gives, or David gives a hoot about anybody being raped or molested or anything like that. But I think that, like, David just wanted to call him gay. And somebody commented on my Instagram that he think that they think that David is just calling Nate gay so that we then get mad at him about homophobia again and forget about the abuse, which I think is a spot on analysis. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um... So David tweeting the, or putting this on Snapchat that Nate was 16 and a boy was 10 and then Nate was sent away. Then we have the evidence of <laughs> evidence of Janelle tweeting about a 14 and 10 year old and Leo has tweeted about a 14 and a 12 year old. What I what was I saying? Do I think Leo's telling the truth? I think I don't really believe him that he ever posted documents. Although I haven't done a deep dive onto what Twitter is saying about this so much. So I don't know. Maybe somebody did post the documents. They had a screenshot of it. Or was saying, like, I have a screenshot of it, but I'm not going to post it because I don't want to get suspended. But I don't think so. I think I would have saw that. But I think it's very weird for Leo to comment on this at all if he doesn't believe it to be true. Now, Leo's a liar. (laughs) Leo lies. But Leo just doesn't talk about Janelle anymore, really. Like, obviously, he keeps up with her because he's seen all of this drama. But from what I can tell, like, he really, he just tweets about, like, being a Sandy Hook truther and, like, the Gillette commercial. He's very angry about the Gillette commercial. He just, like, tweets about his racist, awful, misogynistic nonsense all the time. He doesn't, for, to his credit, like, he does not stay in Janelle drama. Like, he has not been a fixture in Janelle drama for a long, long, long time. So, like, I don't really know why he would comment on this unless, like, he did know about it. And obviously he did know about it because he was tweeting about it back in 2013. Now, do I believe it? I don't know. I mean, Nate's an abuser, right? Like, I think Nate's a deviant. And would I believe that he's a sexual deviant as well? Like, yeah, I would. Do I believe it based on this evidence? Like, I don't know. Janelle's a liar. David's a liar. Uh, Leo's a liar. Nate's a liar. They're all liars. So it's like not, we're never going to know the truth. Like no documents are ever going to be posted. Oh, and another reason that I, but I don't know. And people are saying there's no way he'd be in the, he would have ever gotten into the Marines if this happened. But like I said, like, I think this was probably handled privately. And so how would the Marines even know about it? And don't tell me there aren't a shit ton of people in the military that, sexually assaulted people in their teens that had just like never got in front of the police so they're in the military now um because there are people in every walk of this earth that you know what I mean that that's happened that they have gotten away with assault so do I believe it that's like a hard question for me to answer because like like I said I believe Nate is a deviant uh we know he abuses women uh we know that he is an alcoholic we know that he is all being an alcoholic doesn't mean you're a deviant but We know he has all of these crazy issues and would I, if I heard, if someone came out tomorrow and said that Nate raped them, like a woman that is, you know, like a contemporary, not somebody in his childhood, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I believe that. Like, I would believe an accusation against Nate about rape because Nate is an abuser and if if you are 
like committing domestic violence. It's just a little sidestep to committing rape. Do I believe that he like was a deviant in his teen years? Like probably. It's not hard for me to believe. I don't really have a strong opinion on if it's true. Like because who fucking knows with all of these liars? Like it could be true, it could be not. I'd be zero percent surprised either way. I'm not gonna sit here and call him like a child rapist because like we don't fucking know. And I don't really believe anything that Janelle or Leo says. But because it's Nate, like, it's not hard for me to imagine it being true. Also, I want to point out that people are like, well, he was a kid, so that means he was definitely assaulted as a kid. But that's not true. 14 is absolutely old enough, especially with the increase of porn that young boys and girls are watching. Um, 14 is old enough that he could be a, like, sexual deviant without having to have been abused himself as a child. Um, it's just sick. It's sick that this is a whole thing. That's my breakdown of it. I don't know it's true or not, but I, I kind of believe it, but I also don't believe it. So I guess I, you know, like, I feel like if you, when it comes to this stuff, like, unless there's like some hard proof, then it's like, meh, I don't, I don't know. Um, all I know is that Nate set this all off (laughs) and, oh, and people are saying if it's true, why would Nate have told Janelle? But like, you guys have to remember, Nate's a blackout drinker, and we know he's an emotional blackout drinker, because remember, he would get drunk, and, like, he texted Janelle that one time that he wanted to sign over his rights so he could move to England, and he just wanted Kaiser to have a better life than something he could give him. Like, can't you see Nate, like, just blacked out, hysterically crying about something bad he did as a teenager? I can see it. That's all I'm saying. So yeah, this is like a real Debbie Downer of a first 25 minutes of a podcast, but you know, this is a Debbie Downer of a show. So let's get into the show after a quick break. Actually, before we get into the show, I need to explain something that I've seen a lot of people confused about, and I guess it's confusing, but... You know, I'm just, like, good at understanding these things. Just kidding. I just spend a shit ton of time on Teen Mom. Um, But it's the Kale and Joe custody child support situation. And I just want to explain it from top to bottom simply so everyone understands what's going on so that we can collectively move on from it. Um, And, yeah, I'll just give you the rundown. So, many, many moons ago when Isaac was about one or two, Kale went to... Kale went to court for child support. That's a hard court for child support. It's a hard one to say. So Kale went to court for child support. Joe was ordered to pay a certain amount, which we found out today is $480. This was like eight years ago. So we continue on. We continue on. When Isaac was about six, we saw it on the show. Kale and Javi were considering going back to court and asking for more child support because Joe was making a significant amount of more money. If you will remember, there was a scene where Joe pleaded and basically cried on camera, begging Kale not to take him to court for child support. So she did not. Onward and upward, Joe continues paying child support, $480 a month. Now, I just want to remind you all that Joe makes as much as Kale does from Teen Mom. So Joe's been making $300,000 a year from Teen Mom, paying $480 a month for his kid. That is so insanely low. If Kale had taken Joe back for child support, he would have been ordered to pay so much more. 
because he did not have 50-50 custody and Kale was entitled to more child support. But Kale never took him back. He continued paying. Now, in the last year, Joe went to court to get 50-50 custody. He was granted 50-50 custody. Here's where I think people are confused. Child support and custody are two separate things. Yes, child support is based on custody, but your child, like, you have to see the judge separately for those issues, at least in Delaware. I don't know how it is in every state, but Joe was awarded 50-50, and then he needed to go see a judge again to then get a modification and an elimination of child support based on the new custody schedule. According to Kale, she was, like, going to go ask for it to be eliminated, but just, like, never got around to it. So, although Joe has had 50-50 for last year, he's continued having to pay $480 a month, which, like, cry me a river. I'm sorry, but, like, he's had to pay $500 a month for this last year. Like, I really don't feel that bad, considering that, like, he should have been paying, what, $3,000, $4,000 a month in child support, and he wasn't paying that. So, like, he was getting such a break for the last... Like, when did they start making money? When Isaac was probably four. So for the last, like, four or five years, he's gotten such a break on the amount of child support he was supposed to pay that, like, I don't really feel that bad that he had to pay for this year. But, like, rightfully, if they'd gone in front of the judge, they wouldn't have to pay. So Kale says, and she says this on her podcast, that, like, she just never got around to asking uh, like the court to modify it, which like, I mean, fair enough. I probably wouldn't like going court's annoying. And so Joe finally goes to court to ask for his, uh, child support to be eliminated. And then I guess also ask Kale <laughs> for Kale to pay him child support. Now people are asking, but if they have 50, 50, why would Kale have to pay him child support? It's because Kale makes a significant amount of more money than Joe because of her books and her spawn con and whatever she does, her hair care line. Kale makes a lot of money. Joe makes a lot of money, but he doesn't, like, from Teen Mom, but he doesn't do all of the extra stuff that Kale does. So Kale could possibly be making double the amount of money that Joe does. Now, usually they only award child support in a 50-50 case if the standard of living at the houses is, like, significantly different. So let's say that, like, they don't want... One parent to live in a mansion, another parent to live in an apartment. They don't want one parent to live in a mansion in a beautiful school district and the other parent lives in an apartment an hour away because that's all they can afford. Basically, like, in a 50-50 case, the significant earner would pay to the lesser earner so that the kid could live, like, comparable standard of living. But the thing is, like, and Kale's argued this and I agree with her, like, Isaac lives a very similar lifestyle both homes. Just because Kale makes double the amount of him doesn't mean that Isaac lives, like, really different life at all. They live in the same neighborhood, first of all. Um, they both, like, Kale pointed out, they both even have pools. Kale might have, what, one bedroom more in her house. But, like, when Isaac is at both houses, like, either house, his life is basically exactly the same. He's in the same school district. He gets the same amount of food. He gets the same clothes. He gets the same after-school activities. Like, there's really no reason that Kale should have to pay him 50-50. Or pay him money during 50-50. Now, for some, because Kale is Kale, you know, because she's her, she tweeted the other day that she doesn't get child support from Joe or Javi. And it's true she doesn't get it from Javi. As we've seen on the show, she never got it from Javi. He even threatened to take her to court for it. But Joe 
is mad about that and is like, uh, what do you mean you don't get child support for me? And posted a screenshot proving that he pays $480 a month uh, and has this whole year. <laughs> and so Kale's a liar and duh. Kale's lying for literally no reason saying she doesn't get child support. But like, that's an insanely low amount. The reason that he's still paying, as I said, is because in the eyes of the court, like, they haven't been in front of the judge for child support and that the current custody order has nothing to do with what he's currently paying. This will get solved when they go back in front of the court. I have a feeling Kale's not going to be ordered to pay. I have a feeling they're just going to agree on no child support. Kale says that she's offered to pay Joe back for this year of child support and that he said no. I don't know if I believe that, but that's what's going on. I think it's a little confusing because we know they have 50-50, but to sum it up, Yes, they have 50-50. They haven't been in front of a judge yet. They're going to go in front of a judge. Joe is asking for child support from Kale. Kale doesn't want to give it to him. Joe is still paying support. That's it. It's not that complicated, but I think the way it's being written about is really complicated because I don't know why it just is. So yeah, I just wanted to explain that because I think it's going to keep coming up throughout the season. And I'm surprised like Joe was tweeting about it. Usually he doesn't. Joe also claims that he works two jobs outside of MTV, which like, no, oh, he didn't say that. He said, I run two businesses. I don't know, guys. I kind of think Joe's a bum and doesn't work very hard, <laughs> which like, whatever, who cares? But like, I mean, he makes a shit ton of money from MTV. Like, he doesn't have to work that hard. I just, that's my opinion on it, that I don't think he makes that much outside of MTV. But remember, from MTV, he's making like three to $400,000 a year. So he's making a lot of money. Like, don't, don't get it twisted. Like, he's making a lot of money. Um, And even if, like, Kale's making, let's say Kale's making $800,000 a year and Joe's making, like, $400,000 a year, like, I don't think he, she should have to give him money because they're still in, like, a, com- like, comparable tax bracket, basically. Like, one, between four and $800,000 a year, like, your lifestyle isn't that different. And we can see on the show that their lifestyles aren't that different. So yeah, that's the child custody support issue. I hope I explained that well. I wrote out like a long response about it today on Reddit and I think it was a lot more concise what I wrote out and I probably should have just read that, but I hope it makes sense. So now let's talk about the show. Welcome back, Teen Mom 2. I'm so glad you're here. I thought this was actually a great, a great season opener. I was thrilled. I was in join myself. Everybody had some shit going on that I want to complain about. So like, let's get it started. Remember how when that song first came out, the Black Eyed Peas song, Let's Get It Started, they used to say the R word in it, the R word in it. And then they like changed it for the radio, which like, you know, smart. But isn't that crazy that I used to say that? Oh, times have changed. Anyway, let's start with Chelsea. Chelsea is seven months pregnant and she bought a new house on a large piece of land. Now, when this, when she first bought this house, uh, someone found, like, the Trulio listing. Is that what the website's called? It's, like, Zillow, you know? Um, and, okay. The land is, like, incredible. It's huge. Good for them. The house is cute. I cannot believe they showed the outside of the new house. Like, Chelsea's had pe- problems with people coming to her door. If I was on this show, like, they would never be allowed to film the outside of my house ever because people are fucking crazy. And she's had problems at her last house, so I don't see why she would then show it on her new house, especially considering she's, like, home alone all day with her kids. But, like, okay, whatever. You do you, Chelsea. Um, They bought this house. It has 
the internet tells me it has five bedrooms, but only has two bathrooms. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to critique this house because, as I've said a hundred times before, what is the point of being alive if you can't critique real estate that you can't afford? She paid $420,000 for it, which seems like a lot for South Dakota, but I don't really understand the South Dakota real estate market. So, like, let me skip past that. The house doesn't have a master bathroom. Like, it showed, she showed a, the bedroom. You could see the bathroom in the background, but that bathroom has two doors on it. And considering they're a family of five and they're rich, I don't really understand why they moved into a house that doesn't have a proper master bedroom. Like, I mean, I'm living right now in a two-bedroom con. my mom's two-bedroom condo, and, like, there's, her condo has, like, a beautiful, large master bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> with, like, a beautiful master bath and a walk-in closet. Uh, so, like, if this condo can have it and we're not rich, I don't really understand, like, why Chelsea, being as rich as she is, like, didn't get a house with a master bedroom. I'm wondering if they're going to, like, do renovations to it. Um, Yeah, I know I critiqued Macy's house before, and I just, I love to critique real estate. I mean, the land is great. I think what I would have done if I was Chelsea and I was that rich I would have, like, looked for that piece of land and then added, like, an addition onto it before moving in because I'm sure she could have afforded two mortgages. But, yeah, I just, I don't really, the house is, like, dark and dreary. I'm curious to see what she'll do with it. I'm thrilled that she took down those quotes. I was actually kind of shocked that she didn't like the quotes because they kind of seem on brand. Were we all shocked by that? But, anyway, I'm happy for them that they're living out in the country. That's what she wanted, apparently. She probably feels more secure out there. So, like, good for them. They also got new floors put in, which is great. And we've seen them, like, on her Snapchat and stuff. Not Snapchat, Insta stories. And they look good. Um, She is excited to get into the new house. And we see her in sweatpants and her hair up. And as somebody online pointed out, like, her hairline is, like, straight gray. And other people are pretty sure it's from a mix of foundation and dry shampoo. <laughs> but Chelsea says she hates filming like this and she wanted to be freshly tanned and I'm like what this is what she literally always looks like when she's filming an ugly full face of makeup and sweatpants and her hair up in that nasty bun that's what she's looked like for the last nine years I was very confused by what she meant like filming like this because she literally looked exactly how she always looks she lets us know that she got a call from the visitation center and they set up a time for Adam to visit so they're going to have a visit with Adam at the visitation center. Chelsea's like, of course, this is happening when I'm seven months pregnant and just moved into a new house, but we're going to go. So it's the day of the visitation. And apparently what happens is you have to be at the, okay, the dad gets there 15 minutes early and then you get there like exactly at the time that you're supposed to be there because the idea is like the mom, well, whatever, the guardian parent, whatever. But in this case, Chelsea, the mom, just drops Aubrey off and she can go right in and then she doesn't have to see Adam. Like, I, I guess Adam, like, stays in a room and then Chelsea probably, like, waits in the hallway and then can just, like, come back and pick her up and then Adam would leave, like, five minutes after. So they're driving there and Aubrey said, like, she's kind of nervous to see him. She's not sure what they're going to talk about. And then she's like, well, what will I do if he talks about you? And Chelsea's like, I don't think he'll do that. So... They get a call, and because Adam wasn't there 15 minutes before, it counts as a no-show. It's canceled. We don't know if he, like, actually showed up or what, 
And the visitation center says, like, he's going to be fined a no-show fee and he won't be able to set up another visitation until he pays that fee. So, poor Aubrey knows. (laughs) Um, Oh, and I forgot that Chelsea had asked Aubrey if she, like, knows why they have to go to the visitation center. And Aubrey says, because my dad makes bad decisions. So, I think that's an appropriate thing to tell her for that age. And, I mean, it's true. So, Aubrey seems, like, Aubrey's okay with it. Like, she's upset, but poor little kid. She's, like, acting very brave and cute. And she's, like, she's, like, well, we had to drive all the way here for nothing. And Chelsea's, like, I'm sorry. And you can tell Chelsea feels awful. And Chelsea offers to take her for ice cream. And they go and they talk about it. And Chelsea just hates that Aubrey even has to think about it. And... Aubrey said she felt kind of shocked, but she's okay. And she said she's less upset than she thought she'd be. (laughs) Which means, like, this poor baby was, like, thinking about this before. People said they cried when they watched this. And, like, I didn't really think it was that emotional. But it was still, it was sad. Poor Aubrey. Like, when she said, like, she was less shocked, upset than she thought she would be. Like, that broke my heart a little bit. Because that means, like, this eight-year-old girl is, like prepping herself and thinking about like how she's going to feel when her dad doesn't show up and that's it's sad it's really sad so Aubrey says like she heard on the phone call when they called and said that there's no dad (laughs) because that's like the lady called and was like well there's no dad here and Aubrey I guess like really heard that and then Aubrey says like she goes well Cole wouldn't do that and then she even says quickly after it Not that Cole would have to, but, like, if he had to, he wouldn't. Which is, I mean, talk about, like, a layered statement from Aubrey. One, she knows she can trust Cole. Two, she knows, like, she has such a good understanding of the situation that she even gets that, like, if Cole and Chelsea divorce, like, Cole would never have to visit his kids at a visitation center. Like, she has enough, she's very mature. Like, she has a very mature understanding of it. I can't see... Gracie or Allie, you know, having this conversation, like, well, daddy, like, I just don't see them, like, Aubrey has a very, she's very mature and has, like, a good understanding of what's going on, and when she says, like, not that he, I was really impressed when she's, like, it's one thing for a kid to be, like, Cole wouldn't have to do that, because that's just basically saying, or, like, Cole wouldn't do that, because that's basically saying, like, I know that this dad figure that I love very much would, like, never let me down like that. But then for her to follow it up with, he wouldn't have to. But if he did have to, he wouldn't. I was like, God, Aubrey's got layers to this conversation. Or, like, she has layers of this understanding. Like, she has a full grasp on it. Because that's, like, something I would say. Like, Cole would never do that to her. But, like, Cole would never have to visit her at the visitation center. So, it's just, like, I don't know. I was really impressed with Aubrey. Um... The thing that I want to talk, this thing, I want to talk about something, though. So, (laughs) okay. So, Randy tweeted that Aubrey gets full control over what she gets to film, and she decided that she would film this scene. Then Mandy, quote tweeted, you know, Mandy, the producer, quote tweeted him that was like, Aubrey is such a brave little girl. I didn't think she'd let us film it on the way to the ice cream shop and at the ice cream shop, but she did. Like, I love that little girl. 
Cut me a fucking break. Aubrey is just as exploited as every other fucking kid on this show. Just, like, the idea, yeah, I know I just said she's very mature, but she's not mature enough to understand, like, the the long-term consequences of having her whole life on film and her dad ditching her repeatedly on film and the idea that she's mature enough to agree to film when she has been on film for her entire life so she has no perspective of what it means to not film is fucking crazy. Also, there's no way that she doesn't get, like, rewarded for filming because you can even tell in these tweets when Mandy says, like, I was so proud of her and she's such a brave little girl, like, that means she's getting positive affirmation for filming. And, like, I find it very hard to believe that she doesn't think to herself, like, well, if I don't film, my mom's going to be let down and all of these adults. Because remember, there's like nine adults on set with her because they're on set, essentially. And I find it hard to believe that she's not like, they're going to be disappointed if I don't film. And like, Aubrey lives in the Truman Show, as my dear, dear internet friend Fiona pointed out, like, Aubrey's been on film since she was born. So for Aubrey to be like, I don't want to film isn't, like, a real choice for her because I don't think Aubrey understands what it means to not film because she's filmed her entire fucking life in every positive and negative moment that she's ever had in her life. Also, I find something very gross about them, like, applauding Aubrey's decision to film and, like, how great it was that she made this choice, that she, they're, like, saying that she has a choice because, like, Did Jace get to choose if that fucking gun footage that was filmed via GoPro was filmed or aired? I highly doubt it. Like, did anybody say, hey, Jace, like, is it okay if we put this on TV? No, because it was filmed via GoPro and they got some fucking incredible footage and there was no way they weren't going to show it. So, like, the fact that Aubrey gets to choose which scenes she films, like, Okay, I just love when Randy tries to, like, set him and his family apart from, like, the rest of the cast. And he's like, well, you know, Aubrey's a mature little girl, so she gets to say when she films or not. And it's like, Aubrey's eight, and she is mature, and she's smart, and she's funny, but, like, she doesn't, there's no way that she has the maturity level to understand, like, what it means to allow MTV to film something like that. I just... Also, like, they were already filming when she got the call. Like, the drive to the ice cream shop, like, that's not when, and at the, I mean, at the ice cream shop, there was, like, there was good conversation, good, as in, like, exciting to watch conversation, but I just, I don't know. As I've said, we can't think about the ethics of the team mom, but Aubrey's being exploited, like, just as much as any other kid on this fucking show, and to pretend otherwise is such a joke. I definitely, like, Definitely feel bad for her in this scene, and I really am glad that she is Cole, but I'm curious about what the long-term implications of Adam not being around do to her. Because in my opinion, like, you can have the best support system around, but it's, like, your natural characteristics that you're born with and how your brain works that, like, really determines how you respond to the trauma of losing a parent, which is what has happened to Aubrey. So I'm curious. I hope that, you know having the strong support system is enough, but I worry for poor Aubrey. Well, let's talk about how old Leah's boyfriend looks. (laughs) That motherfucker is 90. (laughs) Also, Leah's a fucking liar. Look at her pretending like they were together for 
many months before she had the girls meet him. I need to remind you all that according to Leah, well, not according to Leah, we saw pictures of Leah, Ryland's dad, and the girls all on vacation together at like the end of May, beginning of June. This is like August when they're filming, late August when they're filming, and According to them, they'd already been together for a few months before he met the girls. So they've been together for over six months at the time of filming. Like, get bent. There's no way. I bet she went on three dates with him at most before she introduced him to the girls. Leah pretending like she's not rushing this is (laughs) LOL. So she made some weird comment about how when the girls first saw him kiss her one of them said don't steal my mommy's kisses which i guess is like supposed to be a cute thing but i don't know i found that kind of weird um so leah goes to see her friend who has some like hideous makeup and she's like you know we're taking things slow he's a little over 10 years older than me because he's 39 isn't leah like 26 so a little over three years or 10 years like okay girl but my thing is like she she's like i can't date anybody my age because like they don't get it with the kids like fair enough but that doesn't mean you have to date someone who's 40 (laughs) like Oh, he's also had two divorces, by the way. Oh, these two should... I can't wait to see them break up and get back together. Leah's segment, I actually don't really have anything to say about Leah's segment. Um, Nothing really happened. We did see the girls. According to Leah, he's, like, nervous about being on camera, which I don't believe... I don't trust this guy, by the way. And I would guess that Leah's probably already pregnant because it's Leah. And, like, why wouldn't she already be pregnant? Um... But if Leah is with this guy, like, I just don't trust her. I don't trust anything Leah says ever. So the girls give Jason tips on being on camera and they say, don't look at the camera and don't fart on camera and don't go to the bathroom on camera. (laughs) And Gracie also, by the way, by the way, Gracie confirms the Truman Show theory when she says she's been on camera her whole life and has been on camera longer than Addie. So like, That's funny. (laughs) Uh, Leah asked the girls, like, well, you guys liked Jason when you met him, right? And then immediately was like, didn't you love him? Like, answers for them. I don't know. This whole thing is going to be rushed. I'm sure, like, he's not going to be allowed on camera, the son, Ryland, because Leah isn't really allowed to post post him to social media, according to her. But this guy's just weird. I'm pretty sure they're already living together. Like I said, I think... I think she's already pregnant. Oh, and Allie hasn't been doing well. We learned that. Poor little Allie. I think this is going to be an Allie-heavy season. Okay, I want to talk about Brie next. I missed Brie. Brie, I miss in the off-seasons because we don't hear about about Brie, really. Like, she doesn't stay active on social media very much. She doesn't get into social media fights very much. She's not as intertwined with the rest of the cast, so she's, like, not fighting with them. And I think just the general Teen Mom fandom fandom doesn't care to keep up with her as much. So she's just, like, not posted about on Twitter and Reddit as much. So when she came on screen, I was like, Brie, I miss Brie. We found out Devon has been living with her for two full months, which I was pretty shocked about that he made it that long. And she has not talked in talking hasn't spoken with Javi since they broke up 
uh, which I was glad to hear about. Like, Brie dodged a bullet. I bet as soon as she found out Lauren was pregnant, she was like, ay yay yay yay. I am pretty glad that, like, we don't have to do Brie and Javi this season. Although I did like how mad it made Kale. Because, like, I mean, guys, if we're all being honest, there's, like, few things better on Teen Mom than, like, Kale stomping around angry. Right? Like, it's so fun. I don't know how people, like, get annoyed by it. I think it's so funny to watch her stomp around. She's just a funny person, that Kale. Like, unintentionally. Like, when she tries to be funny, she's not. But when Kale's, like, stomping around yelling about Javi and Brie, like, that's fucking funny. So I will, I will miss that. So, Devon has been living with them for two months, but he's, even though he's living there, he's, like, still not spending time with Nova, which, I mean, surprise, surprise, Devon's not a good dad, guys. Like, Devon's not really a dad. Like, he's somebody that, like, pop. Like I said many times last season, Devon is basically, like, their cousin at this point, and that's basically the relationship that he's going to have with Nova, too. Like, he is... Nova's going to look at him like he's my mom's cousin. <laughs> like, like my mom's cousin, um, Mitchell, who has twins. That's, all. like, all I know about him. Like, it's Mitchell. That's, like, how Nova's going to see him. Because he's just not around. He's never been around. And I know everybody wants... Like, it's funny because... Everybody used to, like, totally blame the fact that Devon wasn't around on Brie and Roxanne and they were keeping Brie from, or they were keeping Nova from him and these evil women. And then they let Devon move in with them and live with them, seemingly rent-free. And he still isn't around for his kid. So Brie, Brittany, and Nova go to Sky Zone and Brie's like, I'm kicking Devon out. And Brittany is like, okay, like, where's Devon even been? (laughs) They basically say that Devon got a job and he's working full time and that he's like not able to balance working full time with also having a kid because they say like Bree still works 40 hours a week and like she takes care of two kids. I think it's true. I think Devon just isn't able to work, hang out with his friends, and take care of his daughter. I think he was good for Nova why Brie got surgery because they said, like they say later, he didn't have a phone and he didn't have a job. So, like, yeah, he was around because he couldn't get anywhere. (laughs) But now he's got a phone. He's got a job. He can Uber places. Like, he is out. I think the minute, like they said, like, as soon as he got a phone, he just, like, completely changed. Roxanne wasn't in this episode, which was, like, upsetting to me. Where was Roxanne? But I, like, it totally makes sense to me that, like, when Devon was dead-ass broke and had no phone, so he, like, couldn't really talk to people, he could, like, maybe get, you know, on the Wi-Fi, but he had no cell phone service, so he could, like, message with people. And as soon as he was able to, like, get a job and Uber, like, he just wasn't interested in being a dad anymore. I just, Devon's not interested in being a dad. Devon is very immature, and he's never going to be a dad to Nova, and that, that's pretty sad. Bree's like, well... I'm not even really worried about Nova missing him because he hasn't been around. <laughs> I'm sure he's working. If he's serving, he's working full time. He's probably working at nights. So he's like home while she's at school sleeping because he probably sleeps in. Then he goes out and parties afterwards like every other server. He, I get, like, I know exactly what type of Devon is, what type of life Devon is living because, I mean, remember, Brie and Devon are young. They're much younger than, they're at least two years younger than the other girls. So... He's, like, 24. He's serving. Like, I was 24 in serving tables. Like, I know exactly what type of living life he's living. He's working. He's getting cash. He's partying at night. And then he's sleeping all day. He's not parenting. So, 
she basically texted Devon and was like, yeah, to move out. And he's like, that's cool. I actually already got an apartment. <laughs> Which is classic. And look, I know I'm trashing Devon right now, but I'm actually like pretty happy and proud of him that he's working and got his own place because the whole time we've known Devon, he's like never had a job and has been like consistently homeless. And the fact is like he's never been a dad, so I don't expect him to be a dad. But the fact that he is working full time and showing up to his job and now he's going to have his own place where he pays rent, like that's a big step for Devon. Um, You know, one day maybe he'll be a good dad to somebody else. And he's like never going to be a dad to Nova ever. But he is like making progress in his life and I want to commend him for that. And I hope that he can stay out of trouble we get a scene with him going to lunch with his friend and, like, Devon's too stoned to be on camera in this scene. <laughs> like, God bless you. I truly don't care if he smokes weed, but, like, he is really stoned and, like, can't hold a normal conversation. But he and his friend Dre are getting their own spot. And, like I said, like, that's a big accomplishment for Devon. So, good for him. Uh, in the last scene of the episode, Devon's coming over to get his stuff and Bree's like, Nova, daddy's moving out. And she's like, Okay. <laughs> And uh, Bree's like, well, you can go over there and visit if you want. And she's like, okay. And then Brittany's like, are you really going to let her go over there? And she's like, I mean, like, if she cries a lot, but, like, probably not. <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> we all know. We all know that Bree is not letting Nova go over there. Like, Nova's never going to be allowed to go to her dad's house until she can drive herself there. <laughs> Bree, Bree's just not about that life. <laughs> Is it right? Is it wrong? Like, I don't know. Um, I did want to point out that Bree's ass still looks pretty crazy and that I need her to go pay for an actual surgery and see a surgeon that's not Dr. Miami. Okay, I want to say that Javi's new girlfriend, Lauren, is very pretty. She has, like, it's not that she's so pretty, but she looks very good in pictures and on camera. That's what I want to say about her. Okay, so we find out Lauren is pregnant and she's living with Javi. Kale says things are good with Chris and they're working on it. Uh, The producer asks Kale, like, how she found out that Lauren was pregnant. And Kale tells us that she didn't find out on the internet. Javi told her and she is just, like, whatever about it. And I actually believe her because I think when Kale is on with Chris, like, she doesn't give a fuck about anybody else. And because Chris is paying attention to her and sleeping with her, but probably sleeping with other people, too, because she says, as far as I know, he's not sleeping with anyone else, which is an interesting way to answer something. But from what I can tell, as long as, like, Chris is paying Kale any sort of attention, like, she doesn't give a fuck about Javi. Javi has always been, like, a Kale's beck and call. I'm pretty sure even though he has, like, a two-month-old with Lauren, if... Kale called Javi like he would run over there to fuck her right now, but she won't because she's with Chris. Um, I think a lot of people think Kale's jealous of Lauren and like I get why they think that and she definitely kind of her demeanor might suggest that, but just like as somebody that follows Kale as closely as I do, like I just I think as soon as Chris starts answering her texts and like starts sleeping with her, she's like, okay, bye to Javi and like doesn't give a fuck about him. She does tell us that she's not interested in meeting Lauren, interacting with Lauren, because, so back when Javi was talking to Brie, Lauren, and Kale, Kale went through his phone (laughs) and found a text that was, like, a whole paragraph of Lauren repeatedly calling her twat. 
At least that's what it, I mean, she could have been saying cunt, but I think she was saying twat. That's what it sounded like to me. And I think that was like the consensus on Reddit. But she's like, I'm just not really interested in somebody who called me a twat. And honestly, like, fair enough. I think she doesn't want to meet Lauren because she just doesn't like her. And I think she doesn't like, I don't think she, okay. I know I just said that (laughs) Kale isn't jealous of Lauren. And I don't think she is. But I don't think she wants Javi to have any happiness in his life. And I don't think she wants Javi to be with anybody. So even though she like truly wants nothing to do with Javi, I think she also does not like Javi being in a relationship. And like, I think that, and I bet what Javi does, he's like, well, cool. I don't care if you won't talk to me. Like I have Lauren. Cause we saw him do that with Brie when he's like, I have another girl. Like at the same time, he's trying to like win Brie back. He's saying like, I have a girl willing to move to Dover right now. And I have a feeling that he does that exact same thing with Kale because Javi's a fucking asshole. So I think that Kale, like, hates it when he has somebody that he can be like, okay, well, I'm going back to the house I own with my pregnant girlfriend and we're going to have a baby and Lincoln's going to like being at our house more. And I think Kale just always wants to have the upper hand over Javi and she doesn't like when she's the one that's like in an on and off again thing with Chris and Javi is like playing house with somebody else even though she does not want to be with Javi at all I also like if I'm Kale even if I didn't find that text like I'm sorry I wouldn't be that interested in meeting Lauren it's like if Javi was saying like he wants to get back with me like let's work on it he starts fucking me and then I find out that like Oh, he's still talking to Brie, although I'm sure Kale knew that he was talking to Brie Why he was, like, hooking up with her, because I think she liked that. And then I find out he's hooking up with Lauren, too. Like, I'm sorry, I don't think it's that wrong that Kale, like, doesn't want to have a relationship with the person that Javi, like, not cheated on her with, because they weren't together to cheat, but, like, the thing that got in the way of them talking again, you know, and like that she had to go through his phone to find out he was still talking to her, that he was talking to her. Like, I don't think it's crazy that Kale just like doesn't want to be involved in that, but Kale's also a petty bitch. So like, also like, is that true that she found it? And, and if Lauren was calling Kale twat, it's because she's only going off, well, okay. I was going to say she's only going off of what Javi told her because what could she possibly know about Kale? And then as I was saying that, I remember that Kale is a reality TV star and I'm doing a podcast about her where I know her entire life. So it's very possible that Lauren knows her entire life too. (laughs) So Lauren could already have an opinion of her based on watching the show, but like... If he's talking, if she's talking shit on Kale, that means that Javi was talking shit on Kale too, and she was just going along with, like, what Javi was doing, because he wouldn't feel like your twat ex-wife if, like, the guy's like, no, I, you know, my ex-wife is great, like, we get along, we co-parent well, you wouldn't be like, well, she's a cunt, like, <laughs> that wouldn't, like, put you in high regards, like, I've noticed people, in my experience, I guess I should say, like, you only talk with your especially your brand new boyfriend about his exes and the way that he talks about them and very few people will be like oh well she sounds like a crazy bitch if like he's only giving you positive information about her because you wouldn't want to like upset him and then mess up your chances especially if it's like the mother of his child and very few people at the beginning of a relationship would be like 
oh, well, you know, she's, like, a fucking bitch. Like, fuck her if they're, like, trying to win over a guy. Like, that wouldn't be a smart way to get into a relationship. So I just, like, I don't, I just don't care about, sorry, I totally lost my train of thought for a second. So I just, like, don't believe that Lauren was, like, talking shit totally randomly. And I'm sure Javi was talking shit with her and, like, hyping her up and loving, because we all know love, we all know how much Javi loves drama. So I think Lauren was probably just going with the flow. And it's not like she said it to Kale's face. Like, she said it privately to Javi, and then Kale went through Javi's phone, like, she probably wouldn't have said it if she thought, like, Kale would ever see it and then it would, like, impact their future relationship. I don't know. I don't get bad vibes from Lauren. Like, do I think she's a great person? Like, no. She got pregnant with Javi, like, one second after meeting him. But I don't necessarily think she's a bad person either. I think, like, she, I think she's not a fame whore. I think she's a family whore, which is a lot like Javi. I think she just really wanted a family. She was really excited to get pregnant, then move to Delaware and, like, be part of this family and be the stepmom to Lincoln. And, like, that's a little crazy and, like, fucked up. But I don't think she's necessarily, like, a bad person. Kale says Lauren doesn't exist to her, which is, like, classic stupid Kale. She does say, though, that she, like, tries to hype Lincoln up and he comes home from Javi's house and she's, like, super nice about it. So, I mean... As long as she's not being nasty where I or Lincoln can hear her, I guess that's fine. Uh, we get a scene of the kids out swimming in the pool and there's a frog in the, like, the drain and her and Isaac are scared of it, which was cute. So we get a scene at Javi's house and Lauren is in their nursery and we find out that she's due in 97 days. And Lauren says, like, everything with meeting Lincoln has gone really well. He's so excited to be a big brother. And we basically get confirmation that the first time Lincoln met Lauren was when they took those pregnancy announcement photos. Remember Ice Ice Baby? God, talk about out of touch. And by the way, have we talked about on the podcast that uh, Javi is naming his CrossFit gym that he just opened Kill Shot CrossFit, which is so violent and inappropriate in my opinion. Oh, and I'm just remembering Javi signed up for the reserves because his uh, Air Force contract was up. He said he was not going to renew it, but I guess he realized, like, he should renew it and that it'd be a better idea to renew it. And he's going to be in the reserves, which I think is a great option for him and his family. He can be full-time at the gym and be a full-time dad and then be in the reserves. So I think CrossFit Killshot or Killshot CrossFit, whatever he's calling it, is like, it's so violent and so for like, you know, the time we're living in to talk about kill shots is like so gross and any like ultra gun things are like so gross at this point in time. And I think you could have a gym name that's like very similar without being so graphic and you can still do like all of your target stuff, because, you know, like, all over the walls, he has, like, a big, like, bullseye target thing. I don't, what do you, a bullseye, a target? I don't know what to call it. But, like, you can do that without calling it kill shot. Like, why not name your CrossFit gym, like, target, cro- well, probably not target, but, like, bullseye target, or bullseye CrossFit, or I had, like, the other day I came up with a bunch of names for it, and now I can't think of a single one, but, like, bullseye would be a fine name. They're just, like, I don't, I don't know. I just, kill shots, like, really gross and just makes me think of death. Like, not in a, ugh. I don't, I don't like it at all. 
So, Kale, Lauren feels very uncomfortable that she hasn't met Kale, and she's like, I just didn't really expect it to be this way. And it's like, then you should have watched this show. I'm really curious about Lauren's knowledge of the show, how much she's watched the show, um, everything, everything going on behind the scenes when it comes to Lauren. Because, like, if I'm Lauren and I, okay, I always think this. Like, if I got with someone that was on a reality TV show, like, I would watch every single episode of the show and read every single article that ever was written about the show before agreeing to go on camera. Like, does Laura, is Lauren a super fan? Has she at least watched all the episodes? <laughs> I don't know. Because she's like, I'm just surprised, like, it took this long. And it's like, are you? Because anybody that knows Kale, like, Kale will never talk to her, probably. <laughs> Ever. So, she's like, well, I guess we'll see what happens at, uh, at Lincoln's soccer game coming up. So, it's the day of the soccer game. Becky goes with them. Kale just totally ignores, totally ignores them. Um, and I actually really identified with Lauren in this scene. She really made me laugh because she was doing something that I do, which is like when you're in an awkward scene or an awkward scene, like an awkward moment and they're like kids around you just like, I don't, she was just like making complimentary small talk, which is exactly what I do. And like at one point, like Lux runs over to, um, (laughs) runs over and she's like, Oh, what a cutie. Look at those curls. Ugh, I wish I had those curls. And uh, Kale just, like, totally ignores her. But, like, I know in that exact moment, I would have said the exact same thing. Except I don't really want curly hair, so I wouldn't wish for curly hair. I'd be like, oh, my God, he's so cute. Look at how well he's walking. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. He's so big. Like, <laughs> I do just, like, that weird small talk compliments because... I don't know. I suck up to people, I guess. I did notice that Javi called Lincoln Marshall. And if you guys are confused about that, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but God, it's been so long since Teen Mom 2 is on the air. I have no idea what I talked about in a single Teen Mom 2 episode that's ever been on feathers in my hair. Um, So you're welcome. But (laughs) you're welcome that I have a terrible memory. Also, you know what's so funny? I listen to like a second of that Janelle podcast that I released yesterday just like make sure the audio was okay and I like clicked to one moment of it and I was like oh yeah because like I was addicted to heroin I was like have I talked about that that like I know I've talked about being a drug addict but like did I tell you guys I was like a straight up heroin addict and I think that was the first time I'd mentioned it on Feathers in My Hair which is so funny because I know I talk about it in like every single episode now but that was only like the 15th episode I had done or something um, probably more than that, but, like, maybe the 20th episode that I had done, and I guess I just, like, have never said it out loud, so, or, like, clarified that amount, and it, like, heroin wasn't a storyline on the show yet, so I guess it just, like, hadn't come up, so it's very, it was funny to listen to that, I, like, laughed, because I know, like, I've seen some complaint, like, complaints about feathers in my hair, and people that hate me, and they're like, oh, if I hear about heroin one more time, I'm gonna kill myself, so that was funny. Um, But, like, Lauren is, like, being nice. Her and Isaac are even, like, passing a soccer ball at one point. Like, she's cheering on Lincoln. Like, Lauren, a girl's trying. And you know what? Like, I think some people, that annoyed some people, but that, I would have acted exactly like Lauren did in that situation. Like, I don't know what people expected. Like, Lauren is there. 
she is living with Javi and she's having Isaac's brother. Like, she is now connected to Isaac for the rest of his life. She is now part of this crazy blended family that they've established. I mean, hell, she's connected to Joe for the rest of her life. Like, she is now part of the Lowry extended blended family. And, like, Lincoln is basically her stepson. I mean, she wasn't being crazy. She was just being like a normal person and she is there and she's living there. And it makes sense that like, she's going to cheer him on and she's going to talk to, she was standing with, uh, Javi's family and that she's going to talk to Lincoln's brothers. And like, this is, this is the score now. Like, this is how life is going to be now. And I know it like bothered some people and they're like, oh, why was she even cheering? And it's like, because she was there. Like, was she supposed to be silent? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I think Lauren is trying. I don't know. I just don't get bad vibes from her yet. I mean, yet. Yet. It's the first episode. I know. I think she's just, like, kind of normal. <laughs> but I'm going to say in, like, two weeks, I'm going to be like, Lauren is evil. I do. I do realize that. Kale wasn't. Kale was not receptive, which I think is also fine. Kale doesn't have to talk to her if she doesn't want to. I think she should because they're connected now, but whatever. I don't think Lauren should, like, cower in a corner because Kale doesn't want to be nice to her, you know? I also, it's like, I know I said that Kale doesn't have to talk to her, but at the same time, like, there's no reason, even if Kale hates her, there's no reason that Kale can't be like, hi, how are you? I just, I don't get, I'm a person that is, like, so obsessed with civility and like manners and being polite to people and like that's just how I was raised that I physically cannot imagine being in that situation and being kale and not saying like hi how are you I mean I've never had to deal with like baby dads and like that type of drama but I just it would be impossible for me not to like Smart, like unless we had like been in like a fucking fight because remember they've never exchanged words I just can't imagine, like, not being like, hi, like, oh, nice to meet you. Like, that's all you just say, like, smile, like, nice to meet you. And then you just walk to the other side of the, the, what's it called? The soccer field. Like, I'm not saying Kale has to be her friend or even talk to her beyond, like, a simple greeting. I don't know. I just, I, I think it's just because how I was raised. Like, I just can't imagine, like, not greeting people, not saying hello to people, um, I used to work with this girl that would, like, come in in the morning when I worked at the front desk and she would, like, walk by me and I, I'd be like, hello, because it's just, like, I don't know how to not say hello to people, to not be polite. Like, it's just not, it's not in my DNA and it's very much in Kale's DNA. She doesn't have to be friends with Lauren. She doesn't even have to talk to Lauren beyond, like, a nice to meet you and then walk away. So, I am excited to see the the child support drama coming up. I'm excited to see, I hope to see some, like, Lauren and Hobby fighting. I think Kale's gonna have a good season. You know, Kale almost always delivers to us. Okay, and finally, let's go to Janelle. So, Janelle lets us know that a couple weeks ago, Nate had, and Doris had withheld Kaiser, and now she has to go to mediation with him and his mom. So, we find out that Barbara and Janelle are getting along again. Ah, ah, ha, ha. I'm fucking right about everything that has to do with Janelle and Barbara and her whole life. And I don't know when people are going to start fucking listening to me. Barbara is the same shit as Janelle. She 
It is insane that Barbara is not getting along with Janelle. It is fucking insane. She's doing it because, one, she gets to film a lot more. And we know Barbara loves to film. And, two, she... I just don't... Barbara values her relationship with Janelle above all else. She doesn't care about those kids' safety if it means that Janelle will talk to her on the phone. How the fuck... Can she go from last season? Remember last season how concerned she was that David was abusing Kaiser and would talk to Nate about it and they would plot about it? And now I'm supposed to believe that Barbara's just like furious that Doris and Nate withheld Kaiser because he had switch marks on him? No way! Barbara, and she says it, she's like, well, you you can tell she's like thrilled. Barbara's like, well... You know, you called me when they withheld him and you were so upset and I just knew you needed your mother. Like, Barb is so fucking dysfunctional and she's just so fucking glad the minute that, like, she gets to play into this dysfunctional relationship that her and Janelle have established for the last 26 years or however old Janelle is. She does it with Janelle's sister. I'm sure she does it with her brother. Like, Barbara loves this shit. So, Barbara and Janelle meet up in a park. Um, I will say yellow is a really nice color on Janelle. She should wear that color more. Um, Barb says she was mad that Doris kept Kaiser. And it's just like, why? Why are you mad? And Janelle called Barbara flipping out, which is exactly their relationship and exactly what happens. Anytime Janelle gets in trouble, she calls Barbara and Barbara swoops in to fix the situation. It's so fucking unhealthy. Um, Janelle is doing this thing where she's calling David my husband because she wants us all to remember that she has found a man that loves her so much he's willing to marry her and she wants us all all to remember that like it's so important that they're married even though like none of us care. <laughs> and so she says that like Jan- uh, Nate texts, he texts my husband and asks why did you do that and not like why wouldn't he text my husband and ask like hey what happened to Kaiser (laughs) and she's like people say my husband is so bad for the kids but he's not uh Janelle's claiming that these bruises came from a water slide at daycare remember like I said CPS investigated the police investigated they're apparently siding with Janelle for some reason I did want to bring up this week I did some research um okay so the state of North Carolina is one of many many states in which you are allowed to physically punish your children. Now, the statue in North Carolina is very, very vague. Uh, I've seen a lot of people say online, but aren't you not allowed to leave a mark? And that is often like a general guideline that CPS and the courts will use to determine like if there's been abuse, if there are marks left, but it definitely doesn't say like you're not allowed to leave a mark. Like that's just, it's just not how the law is written. It's just not that specific um, for a reason, especially in a state like North Carolina, which has a long history of corporal punishment for children because it's the South. Um, Not, I don't want to say that. I mean, like my parent, well, I don't know. I don't know actually if my dad got physically punished. I don't think my mom did and she grew up in the South. Um, But it's just like you hear Like, a switch is, like, a lot more common in the South. So, I did read that in 2014, the courts upheld that, like, you, a parent, there are absolutely, like, a court is absolutely able to rule that a parent has abused their child, uh, even if they say they're disciplining them, and that 
but that it has to be determined like case by case. So the law is just really fucking vague and there's no like it's not written into law like you are allowed to spank your child but you're not allowed to leave marks you're allowed to spank your child but you cannot use an instrument to do so some states have that language but north carolina is not one of them you also have to remember that like janelle and david like live in the boonies so is the caseworker and the judge and the cop that's like talks with them like were they all beat with switches as children? And then do they hit their kids with switches? So it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to them. You know, like cultural context really matters in these cases where I think if where I live, you know, in suburban Philadelphia, if a child had bruises from a branch, like I think that CPS would be, I mean, you know, CPS can always fuck up. But I think that CPS or the police would be a lot more concerned than if he, like, then maybe they would be in even rural Pennsylvania. You know, like, if you go two hours west in Pennsylvania, you're in, like, Pennsylvania, like, where it's probably more common. Um, And I think that you just have to remember, like, the cultural context of what's going on and where Janelle and David live. And, you know, like, if if the caseworker that investigates them, like, you're allowed to spank your kid. You're even allowed to use a switch. Like, that's not illegal. Um, which is why all spanking should be illegal. And every con- every state in this country should make spanking illegal. And that's the hill that I'm going to die on. Anyway, Janelle is cleared by CPS, cleared by the police. And she starts crying that everybody thinks David's such a bad guy. But he does everything he can to take care of his kids. And Barbara just sits there and allows it. Even the last fucking season, she was talking about how David beats his kids. It's so crazy. It's just so crazy. Janelle even says that her and Barbara are getting along now because Barbara's not being mean to David. And Barbara, like, smiles and allows her to say that. Which is, like, just so crazy. It's just so crazy. And Barbara is a piece of shit. I'm sorry, but, like... Going along with this makes Barbara shitty. Oh, and, like, right now, as I'm recording this, Barbara and Janelle are, like, at an Airbnb together with MTV, like, drunk and, like, partying. Like, come on. Where's Jace? If Oh, God. Is David along with Jace? Oh, he better fucking not be. By the way, remember how I, like, have mentioned on here that I just, like, don't tell people in my life that I do a podcast? One of my, like actual best friends just texted me or called me and I like text her back like hey I'm doing the podcast I'll call you when I'm done and I like thought that I had told her about this but I guess I didn't and she's like what you have a podcast and I was like yeah about teen mom for two years like <laughs> I just like forget that people <laughs> that people like tell me or that I like don't talk about this in real life and I forget who I tell and who I don't so it's funny when I like totally forget who I've told. And I'm like, yeah, I have a podcast. Like, 7,000 people a week listen to it. Like, didn't I tell you that? <laughs> oh, I love you guys for listening to me. Anyway, so yeah, Barbara is crazy for going along with this filming. So we get a scene of Barbara at our house. And like I said, she goes, you know, when Doris and Nate kept Kaiser, she just called me crying and crying. And I guess she just needed her mother. (laughs) And she said, you know, when Janelle and I were fighting, I would send her texts saying a mother's love is unconditional with a bunch of emojis. And so she just called me. (laughs) 
Ugh, we get a scene with Nate talking to the friend, and Nate has the craziest haircut in the world. He's wearing an insane cutout shirt, and he tells us what happens, that Ashley went to go help him in the Kaiser in the bathroom, because, you know, he still needs help. And right away, she was like, Nate, you need to come in here. He had bruises all over his butt. They asked him what happened, and Kaiser said that David hit me with a stick. And, I mean, I, I don't not believe him. Um... So Sunday came around and he texted David that he would not be giving him back. And he he's like, well, I left and I told my mom I'd be back like right away and uh, not to give him over. And then two hours later, my mom called and she was crying and the police came and gave Janelle the kid back. Now, I am pretty positive I talked about this when I recorded the podcast about it. But what happened was, okay. So, basically, court or police are, like, very unwilling to get involved in custody disputes. Like, a cop never went, very rarely will go and basically demand, like, that a parent will turn over the kid, even if it's in violation of the court order, as long as, like, one of the parents is there. Now, I'm kind of surprised about this because Nate doesn't really, I don't think he has... He has supervised business, but I guess he probably has legal custody still. But basically, so what had happened was they refused to give Kaiser back on Sunday. Janelle called the police. The police were probably like, we're not getting involved. CPS is involved. Like, talk to CPS about it. Like, you know, go to court. We're not interested in this. He's with a parent. We're not going to, like, go in and forcibly remove him. Now, Janelle and David probably sat on fucking Doris's house. And the minute he saw Ashley and Nate drive away, they called the cops and they said, um, you know, like, uh, our son isn't being turned over and you said you wouldn't do anything because he was with his parent and his parent has now left the state. So he is with the grandmother and we want the grandmother to turn him over. And the cops then have to turn over the kid because the grandmother doesn't have any legal right to have the kid like a parent does. Then it's no longer just like a custody issue. It's a non-parent holding withholding a child, which the police will get involved in. So I'm like 99% sure that that is what happened. Plus, if in that time CPS has cleared Janelle and David, of course the police are going to hand over Kaiser. Now here's the thing. Online this week, Ashley claims that the reason that Nate left is because they had taken Ashley's car. She had to go back from work. Nate was going to basically take a shower turn around and drive back to North Carolina or South Carolina to Doris's. My question is, why wouldn't Ashley just drive by her fucking self? Why would she drive with Nate? That doesn't make any sense that she would drive with Nate back to, like, why would he go with her? They had to have known that, like, Janelle and David were watching them. And the minute they left, Janelle and David were going to call the police. Like, there's no reason that Ashley couldn't drive by herself. I've made the drive tune from Florida by myself. It sucks, but I've done it. The last time I did, I drove 13 hours in one day. I drove from Florida to Richmond, Virginia, which is, Richmond's like an extra six hours. Um, Well, not six, but I guess three hours because their drive is like 10 hours. It was so stupid of Nate to leave, but... One, Nate lives in Florida. (laughs) Nate lives very far away from his kid. And two, Nate chooses Ashley over Kaiser every single day. And so it's hard for me to feel a lot of sympathy that, of course, the police gave Kaiser back because his dad wasn't there. 
And he had left the fucking state. <laughs> so stupid. Um, David wants supervised visits, or Nate wants supervised visits with David, but, like, that's not a thing. <laughs> like, there are no supervised visits with a step-parent. Like, that's not... I, that's not how it works if Janelle is the one with custody and they live together. I don't know. I just, what they would need is Janelle would have to have supervised visits. I, they, Nate's not very smart. Um, so they have mediation. David already knows nothing's going to happen during it because Janelle's not going to like agree to anything of his. And Dave, or Nate says like, you know, David's a violent criminal. He should have supervised visits because I had those pending charges and I don't have them anymore. So, like, I shouldn't have supervised visits. Um, So they go to mediation. They can't film Janelle, like, before mediation because she brought David with her, which, you know, I fault Janelle for a million things, but, like, I don't fault her for bringing her husband with her to court. Like, I think anybody would do that. Uh, Nate shows up in shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> like, who would, even if it's just for mediation, like, put on a fucking pair of pants and shoes. You're going into a courthouse. I can't believe that. And he, Doris and Nate afterwards basically say, Nate calls it a waste of a trip. And if you notice he says trip, it's because he lives in Florida and had to travel to North Carolina for this. <laughs> ay 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 um, and nothing happened during mediation. Nate's like, she lied and said I still had pending charges, but I don't. And it's like, okay, is that, like, so much of a lie? Like, should we be that upset that, like, Janelle brought up the fact that you strangled Jessica? Um, and of course, like, nothing happened because Janelle and Nate are never going to agree on anything, so they're going to go to court. Janelle goes and meets up with Jace and Barbara at a frozen yogurt place, and I noticed that Jace definitely, um... <laughs> got like a $15 frozen yogurt. Once I accidentally got a $12 frozen yogurt and I was already like so like deep into it that like I was at the register and I was like, I guess I'm going to pay for this. The trick to getting an affordable frozen yogurt is to get like one fourth of the frozen yogurt you think you're going to eat. Um, but Jace had that thing full and loaded with toppings. Frozen yogurt is a scam, by the way. Oh, it's crazy how expensive it is. So, Janelle recaps court for Barbara and she said like she said that Nate like flipped out he wants David to have supervised visits um he says she's like well he kept saying that David's the only issue but then he would say that I'm on drugs Barbara of course doesn't say anything about the fact that she also believes David is an issue uh, she said that Nate was, like, yelling, and she was just sitting there calmly, and Barbara goes, so you think he's on steroids again? And I was like, Barbara! First of all, thank you for confirming that Nate was on steroids, even though anybody that's in the know would already know that, and know that Janelle was doing it with him. When she had that, like, rock and bod when she was with Nate, it's because she was doing steroids with him, by the way, if you didn't know that. But for Barb to say that is, like... <laughs> Which is why it was so bothersome to me last season when she was, like, all buddy-buddy with Nate and, like, pretending like she didn't hate Nate and pretending like she didn't know that Nate was a violent alcoholic. That's why it was so frustrating to me, and I know I ranted about it over and over and over again on there, on here. So when she said that, I was like, yeah, well, Jan Barbara hates Nate, but played well with him last season because she was mad at Janelle. And now that Janelle's being nice with her, she's back to talking shit on Nate because Barbara's a fake bitch. Um... 
Janelle says that she thinks that Nate just wants control over her. (sighs) Look, I do believe that Nate knows that David abuses Kaiser. And I do believe that Nate wants to protect Kaiser. Like, I, I believe that. Um, but I do not believe that Nate is doing almost anything to protect Kaiser. I do not believe that Nate is, is in a position to protect Kaiser. I also don't really believe that if Nate somehow got full custody of Kaiser, that he wouldn't spank Kaiser and hurt Kaiser because he is a violent alcoholic. I think that his mom and his girlfriend would be the ones raising Kaiser. What do I think is the best situation for Kaiser? I don't know. I don't fucking know. I guess going to live with Doris. I guess. I guess. That's what it has to be, right? Like, he has to go live with Doris. I think that's the only way Kaiser has, like, a half a shot at life. Um, But it's also sad because Doris is old and she's, like, a dying husband. And it's just tough. Uh, Janelle's final moment is she says, nothing even happened. They make me panic, freak out, cry all over nothing. And it's like... Janelle, you do that to yourself. Janelle's such a dumb bitch. Like, oh, and by the way, my reaction to this whole Kaiser picture thing is that, in my opinion, like, they need to fire Janelle over this. And that she's not getting fired over this is, like, fucking crazy. Um, As I said last season, like, I'm extremely uncomfortable with Kaiser's abuse being a storyline. They need to fire Janelle, which means they need to cancel Team Mom, too. And, like, that's my ultimate opinion on those pictures because even though they never should have been posted and Nate is a lying, shady motherfucker for posting them, um, they are real and it's very clear that Kaiser's being abused and Janelle is either being abused herself so she can't step in or, in my opinion, probably does not care to protect her children because she's an abusive bad person as well and that's why she's not stepping in to do anything because as long as she gets to have sex with David and have somebody love her and she can smoke weed all day, like, she doesn't give a fuck what David does to her kids and realistically to her. Um, So they should fire Janelle and then they should cancel Teen Mom 2. So, yeah, that's it. Welcome back, Teen Mom 2. <laughs> Guys, I love talking to you this week. I love that Teen Mom 2's back. Um... We'll see what drama happens with David and Nate in the upcoming weeks. I have a feeling it's not going to cool down. Hopefully they go to court soon. I'm really curious. Oh, also David like pulled a gun out on a real estate agent this week, but I don't think anything's really going to happen with that. So we'll see. All right, guys, have a good week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos.